If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well I'd buy you a K car, a nice reliant automobile. And if I had a million dollars, well you recognize by the intro there what the theme is going to be today. A little bit different than usual. This is the one I've been promising for some time, where we're going to talk about why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Now, this has been building for some time, and you, the listeners, have given a lot of meat to come from here, a lot of content. Well, let me bring this on down here. We're going to be talking about a different theme today than usual. Rather than just the normal variety of things that we normally talk about, we're going to be talking about... Why the Rich Get Rich and the Poor Get Poor. Now, this was submitted by a listener, Jared Farmer, back in February, February 25th. I got this simple 10-word question. Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poor? So what I did is just put it back to you, the listeners, and said, you tell me. I mean, it's easy for me to talk about it, give my opinion, That's just me. I wanted to hear from you, and boy, did I ever hear from you. I have 35 pages of small font notes in my hand. Not sure what we're going to get through today. We're certainly going to do a condensation of most of the questions. Some of you wrote me what could be easily turned into a a magazine article and the genesis of a book, probably. A couple of you even talked about that. But this is a big topic. No question about it. Here's how we're going to approach this. I've got a quotation that kind of represents the common theme of your responses. And it comes from George Bernard Shaw, who said, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, make them. Now that really represents the bulk of responses that I got. And frankly, it surprised me a little bit. I thought there'd be more defense of being poor from a theological position and just an economic position, but there really wasn't. Now, I don't know that you who are listeners to this regularly are representative of the common population out there. Obviously, I don't think you are. You do think differently. You do accept responsibility. You do make plans and take action. So it probably uh, skewed dramatically uh, the common population response to why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But that's okay. We can, we can have our own crowd here, and I'm delighted with the kind of answers that for the most part I got. Now, I promised that I would give copies of Think and Grow Rich to 10 responders. Let me tell you who they are. I'll tell you right now. So if your name's in there, you can expect to get a note from one of my assistants here to get your address, and we'll get that sent right out to your brand new copy, the, the new version of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and that certainly has some of the basic principles that we'll be talking about here. But that's going to go to the first one. I want to give a copy of that to Jer- Jared Farmer, who submitted the original question. 
So Jared is one, but others receiving Think and Grow Rich, Frank Santino, Gene Fritz, Eric Julen, Meyer Taub, Patrick Green, Jason Kabler, Anita Sharman, Jason DePoy, and Matthew Jones. Now, the responses I got, again, went from very, very lengthy, and I thank you for taking the time to think through your responses. I hope and just in thinking it through for yourself that it was inspirational for where you are in your path. And I got some that were extremely short. Uh, one of the responses I got was one word, and I'll share that with you. But I want to give you as well, right here off the top, so no matter how much farther we go uh, into the individual responses, I want to give you a clear theme. I just went through and looked for the common things that you, the listeners, said are part of why people get richer and the poor get poor. Now, for the most part, uh, these 10 points that I'm going to give you are simply why rich get richer or why somebody can go from nothing and end up rich. So there wasn't much input on why the poor get poor, except it's the antithesis of what I'm going to tell you right here. So if you want to know how the rich get richer, this is a good list of 10 action points. And if you want to know how the poor get poor, they don't do these things. So I want to give you this list and then some resources. Now to go into some of your responses. Number one, A person who gets rich expects success. Number two, creates a clear plan. Number three, works hard. Number four, avoids debt. Number five, is teachable and a lifelong learner. Number six, exercises self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accepts personal responsibility. Number eight, keeps good company. Number nine, is opportunity conscious. And number 10, enjoys the present, but plans for the future. I love those. Golly, again, my heart goes out to all of you who submitted things over the last couple months here. Actually, it has been February, March, April. So it's been right at two months where you've had a chance to submit your input. Just wonderful, wonderful, solid points about how you can change your circumstances, make them what you want, like coming from our George Bernard Shaw quotation. Now, some of the resources that are listed, I'm going to put in the show notes today, a link right to the 31-minute YouTube video of Earl Nightingale with the strangest secret. Now, that's a real common theme in your responses, is essentially the principle from the strangest secret. We become what we think about. From the Bible, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But I'm going to have a link to that. I'm going to have a link to Jason Kabler's blog post on why the rich are getting richer. A link to The Compound Effect, the book by Darren Hardy. A link to The Parable of the Ten Talents. Interesting principles that come from the ten talents. We'll talk about that a little bit. And a link to Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And a link to a book that a couple of you mentioned, Bridges Out of Poverty by Ruby Payne. Interesting because, well, I'll mention that when we get to that point. So, let's go right into it. I'm just going to grab bits and pieces here and see what we can get in in 48 minutes. This comes from Mike Roy. Uh, Dan, thanks for the challenge. I'm all about myths, so I'll approach a topic talking about many, some of the many myths surrounding why the rich get rich and the poor get poor. One myth is that it's because there's a limited piece of pie 
that the rich keep acquiring more of their pie and the poor are left with the remaining slivers. The truth is that the rich keep baking more pies while the poor only see the pie that's in front of them. Now, that's, now here's another one. Another myth is that the laws are stacked against the poor while the laws favor the rich. This isn't necessarily true. Sure, there are laws in place that give the wealthy tax breaks, the tax incentives for the real estate investors come to mind. But this is designed to have a trickle-down effect to provide affordable housing for, guess who, the poor. The truth about laws and rules is that they try to provide a balanced ecosystem. Your place in that ecosystem assumes that you want to be there. So if you don't like your place, then change it so you can have the laws affect you differently. Now, Mike goes on great points. A lot of really good stuff on there. Thanks for your contribution. Joel says, Joel Eresta says, Um, I suspect the answer is simple, but it's not easy. It seems to me that the rich own assets that increase in value over time. So they get richer. They're able also to obtain or build additional assets, which also increases their wealth. The poor depend upon an income or wage to survive. And unless they get a big raise or work additional long hours, they get poor as their buying power decreases over time. Now, again, I'm going to, I need to link to a blog that I did a couple years ago on you'll never get rich with an hourly paycheck uh, where I talk about, you know, it's the people who break out of that structured system who really accumulate wealth and do it quickly. Now, Jason Cable said, obviously there's a lot of reasons why the rich are getting richer and the poor are not education connections, making the right decisions, working hard on the right things all factor in. However, I believe one of the top reasons come down to how you view and use money. If you're not educated about money and how to use it well, it just makes it so much more difficult to get ahead. Here in America, it doesn't matter where you start. Being poor has no bearing on what you can achieve in life more than be, any more than being born into a rich family. It all comes down with what you do with what you have. I've become a huge fan of the teachings of Rabbi Daniel Lappin on the subject. I've gained a ton of knowledge and perspective from his books, along with others such as Dave Ramsey and Larry Burkett. And then he, he wrote about a post on why the rich get richer. And I pulled just a, a statement from that. Jason says the reason why so many Americans are hurting while the rich are getting richer is that the average American family has been living on more than they make because they borrow money to live, fostering a false sense of prosperity that actually results in the opposite, which is bondage and slavery. Now, a whole lot of you talked about this idea about staying out of debt. And how it's a compounding problem when somebody borrows. I mean, look at these payday loan places. It just breaks my heart to see those places. People go in and get an advance on their paycheck. And all they pay exorbitantly high interest on that money that they don't even yet have. I heard one of those places advertising just this week that you don't even have to have the paycheck yet. You know, just show them a past paycheck and they'll loan you money. But what a hole that people dig. You didn't have, you got to stop that kind of pattern. Well, Eva Scott says last week when I was at Walmart, I saw a group of ladies with a baby who were looking at a big screen TV. They were not dressed that well. Then I saw a young couple who were dressed very professionally looking, professionally looking at computers. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but I believe it comes down to two things. It starts with the daily choices that lead to long-term consequences. The compound effect, Darren Hardy and Dave Ramsey and you speak about those little choices add up. They add up either for you or against you. 
if everyone got the same amount of money for a year, I believe at the end of the year, some people would be rich and some people would be poor. You often hear it said about people who didn't make that much money that saved a million dollars by living on less. And then you hear the statistic that recently about a large percentage of professional football players are bankrupt within a few years after playing football. And that really is true. Um, Holly goes on to talk about, you know, it's not how much money you get, it's what you do with it. But yeah, we see people who have exorbitant income, like NFL players and basketball players, who, yeah, don't learn how to manage that well, and a few years later are broke. Sad situation. Ricardo Butler uh, shared a lot about, uh, from a biblical perspective, uh, things that people usually don't recognize. He says, believe it or not, and most Christians will not believe this, the most biblical answer is stated in these couple verses. This is out of Matthew 13, 12, where it says, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Now what that is clearly referencing is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Now we'll see that as a common theme. There's a whole bunch of you shared uh, things about that. Ricardo shared a whole lot of other verses here as well that uh, talk about how rich get richer and the poor get poor. A whole lot of references there. Thanks, Ricardo, for that. Dean says, you pose the question, why do the rich get richer and the poor get poor? A timely question, especially with the debate about the homeless man that got shot in L.A. Skid Row. There's so many levels to the question. Um you look at the animosity in the comments as each side debates the shooting. Then there's how each group is educated or conditioned. The poor are conditioned to rely on others, spend their time in front of the TV, rely on drugs and alcohol just to live another day and lack the support of friends and family. The rich are taught to keep striving for what they want, to continually self-improve and have systems of support. Another factor is the rich have the means to make changes or sway the government to change laws to their benefit or to shelter their wealth legally. Julie says, in my opinion, Robert Reich is the expert in answering this question. His dichotomy last year titled Inequality for All is pretty informative on the subject. In addition, Thomas Pinky wrote a book last year titled Capital that is being lauded as, as the definitive research that gives one a pretty good understanding of what has happened over the past century. I'll, I'll put a link in the notes to that documentary. Yeah, Inequality for All. Certainly a thought provoker. Nikki Vandaloo is my two cents on why the rich get richer and the poor get poor. It all boils down to intention. When I started using a morning ritual that included only positive activities and exercise, my pay grew. When I set a goal to write a book to promote my business, I got richer. When I set income goals for my consulting business, I got richer then as well. Anytime I've been intentional about increasing my income or or making my life richer in other ways, I've seen an increase in my income. I believe that richness comes in many forms and that we all have a choice pertaining to how we want to be rich. Then if we apply intention in those areas, we will be richer. On the flip side, if we only say that we want to have more money uh, or a better relationship with God but aren't intentional in our actions, we'll end up poor. Obviously, unfortunately, this is where I see a lot of people head. They say one thing, but they don't act consistently to make it happen. Well, you're right, Mickey. Thanks for your input there. Now, this comes from Eric Julen, who created a beautiful graph 
I wish I could show it to you, a side-by-side graph of a whole bunch of points of why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So there's a contrast. Um, the rich were taught how to handle money and assets. The poor were not taught how to handle money. Uh, the rich tend to have education, especially advanced education. The poor tend to have little or no education. Uh, the rich think of the future. The poor think only in the present. The rich have a positive attitude. The poor have a negative attitude. The rich keep good company. Well, that was a common theme that I saw. That old adage we talk about, Jim Rohn, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And also there are, there are real statistics showing that in the financial arena, people tend to be the average of about their 10 closest friends in terms of income. When you think about that, I was thinking about that last night. We have a little Tuesday get together every Tuesday with some friends of mine. And yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll take the average of the 10 people in that room uh, any day and proud to be part of that group. Well, so keeping good company is a big component and poor people tend to be keep bad company. One of the things that Eric talks about in here as well that I really like is that the rich tend to be very teachable. They continue learning. They're willing to accept help. And all those things, the counterpoint is true for poor people. They tend not to be teachable and they, they don't accept, you know, training from people who, who know better and been down the road. And rich people tend to recognize opportunity while the poor people don't recognize opportunity. Now, this comes from Jason Depoy. Um, lengthy response. Again, I'll summarize it. I wanted to respond to your question. Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poor? Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 tells us we are what we are because of what we think in our heart. The rich get richer because the, they possess a prosperous mindset, which, in, by the way, goes far beyond finances and extends to complete and sufficient supply in every area of life. They understand the power of their thought life. Positive thoughts produce positive outcomes every time. Prosperous thoughts produce prosperity every time. That doesn't mean that life is perfect and those with Positive mindsets never experience hardships, just the opposite, actually. Challenges, hardships, and life storms come to all. However, those who have the proper mindset understand that these are temporary and truly have no bearing on the outcome. A lot of input there. Again, Jason, thanks for all your input on that and your well-thought-out response. One of the things that uh, people talked about repeatedly in the responses here is how failure is viewed. People who are poor may have had a failure experience and they just stayed down. People who are rich have also had failure experiences. Nobody's immune from that. But instead of staying down, they simply got up and went again. Last night in talking about this with uh, some of our friends, um, Gail Hyatt, who seems to be an eternal source of wisdom with her poignant, poignant little phrases, she again says, you know, what does this make possible? When... Something happens. You know, that's her attitude. Even if it's unexpected or unwelcome, uh, the question she asks is, what does this make possible? And it seems that people who end up rich have that kind of questioning mindset and approach it in that way. Now, this comes from Anita, who says, Dan, I think the rich get richer because they have more money to fulfill their dreams, and money is the key to being able to move forward. And the poor, well... We never have enough money to save for a more promising future. Work, work, and all goes to bills. I would love to be debt-free, but it's not easy. If you have advice for me, I will be forever grateful. 
I'll thank you, Anita. Anita is one of the ones I'm going to, I want to send a copy of Think and Grow Rich to try to help with that attitude that even with limited resources, you know, you can make changes and you can work your way out of that. We've seen a whole lot of examples of that. You know, I'm not sure what people, what, what you think about my background. I certainly was not raised wealthy. I was raised extremely poor. And uh, I remember when we purchased the first cow. So we had one cow that we milked by hand. And then we got a couple more cows. We continued milking those cows by hand until we had probably 15. And then we got milking machines because Dad was able to sell enough milk to have a little money. We got electric milking machines that I thought were really cool. I thought we were really big town. But that's the kind of life that I grew up in. And, you know, I've, I've searched for opportunities. A lot of you have heard my story about how The Strangest Secret really impacted me greatly. We become what we think about. And it opened a whole new world of opportunity to me. And at this point, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I spoke yesterday. And it, it humbles me to know that you know, when, when I speak, I'm usually given a check. For more, I can speak for 45 minutes and be given a check for more money than my dad ever made in an entire year. And that's a pretty humbling thing. I take that very seriously, the opportunity and, and a responsibility that comes with that. But I looked for opportunities and looked to change my circumstances. And in many ways, my dad, you know, thought that being poor was godly. I mean, there was a lot of reason for him staying poor all of his life. There wasn't a real concerted effort to change that. Now, he did well with farming, and we never went hungry. But he really thought that being, having any kind of wealth brought with it a whole lot of danger. Well, and, you know, there's, we really aren't dealing with this from a theological standpoint as much as I thought perhaps your responses would lead us into. You're pretty direct on the, the philosophical, psychological kind of principles that can lead us either into riches or poverty. This comes from David. He says, pretty short and sweet, the rich get richer because they have imagination and dream versus the poor get poor because they lack imagination but rather look for excuses. Susan Whitcomb, a friend of mine, a great coach. She has a a very well-thought-out response. She said, I'm fascinated by brain-based coaching and so offer that as a part of the answer to your question It's one of wiring. The rich have millions of connections in their neural networks that make a rich, that make rich a reality for them. They have experienced it, tasted it, lived it, both past, present, and future. Likewise, the poor have millions of connections in their neural network that make their poorness a reality for them. They too have experienced it, tasted it, lived it, both past, present, and future. Our reality cues us in to see what we think is true. If the brain is being told, I'm poor, it's hard to make money. Yeah, right. Making money is for a lucky few, etc. The brain will happily oblige and see only circumstances that evidence that viewpoint. So if your brain is being told, I'm poor, it's hard to make money, only a few people can do that, then your life is going to show evidence of that. Absolutely. And Susan says, counterpoint if the brain is being told i'm rich i see business everywhere i have a valuable product to offer others that will be blessed by it people love to invest in my services then the brain will happily oblige as well and we'll see circumstances that evidence that viewpoint and on from there golly great great input from a physiological perspective are we 
hardwire our brains. There's a ball guided years ago talk about the buffalo paths, those kind of neural pathways where we get used to expecting things in a certain way, and then our reality just confirms that again and again and again. So we have to break that if you're going to have different results. Cam Ross says, from what I've observed, this trend could be summarized in the word habits. The rich people have developed different habits than those who are poor. However, we could reframe this in a different way. There are people who pay interest, people who ignore interest, people who make interest. The rich have learned to make interest on as many things as they can while avoiding to pay the interest. And he goes on from there. You know, that's one of the things, again, that we saw repeatedly in the hundreds and hundreds of responses that I got from you, the listeners, is this idea of avoiding debt. Once you're in debt, that compounded interest will just eat your lunch. We hear a lot of stories from the Dave Ramsey group about people getting out of debt, the freedom they experience. Well, trust me, there's a tremendous freedom in not having car payments and credit card payments. And I say that, you know, I've struggled with those things in times past, but you have to be so intentional and just decide you're not going to live like that. Now, one of the things that, that is kind of a philosophy that I have that differs from some of the financial teachers out there where they really focus on saving. And I think that you can have a modest income. We've seen stories of that about having a modest income and then people save a little bit and ultimately they end up with a nest egg. If they've only eaten beans and rice all those years, well, I don't want to have to wait until I'm 80 years old to enjoy life. I want to enjoy life as I go. So my philosophy really has been that I'm going to earn my way into wealth rather than save my way into wealth. Now, there's a whole lot of unpacking we could do with that. So I'll just leave you to kind of think through that yourself. But uh, that's certainly the philosophy that I've taken. Uh, Rather than being content with a very mediocre income that I could have earned as a counselor, I decided to look for new opportunities would position me differently and increase my income dramatically. And that's my philosophy again. So my basic philosophy on that is I'm going to earn my way into wealth rather than save my way into wealth. Now this comes from Todd Wilson, who says the Bible has several verses in Proverbs that relate to the subject. My favorite verses are the parable of the talents found in Matthew. Now, just to recap that, and I'll put that in the notes, but the story of the talents is pretty relevant to what we're talking about here and can be a pretty hard passage to understand. But in Matthew 25, toward the end of the chapter, it talks about the story of the talents. A man was going on a journey, called his servants, entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. Well, you know what happened? He went away. The one who received five talents went out and traded them all, worked. He made five talents more. Also, he had two talents, made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground, hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much more. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also got the guy who had had two talents. He came forward saying, master, you gave me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. 
I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the guy who had received one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So... Take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. Wow. Ouch. I'm not going to pretend to be a theologian, but I think you can go and read that and figure it out yourself. And it's very clear that there's a strong issue of stewardship here. If you have talents, if you have an ability to get out here and make money, to start a business, do whatever, to be a productive employee, you better do your best job at that. Because if you just coast along and end up with just the same amount of money that you started with, there's a harsh penalty to pay. Now, I take that issue of stewardship very, very strongly, even from a theological perspective. And I want to be i want to be one who can show up and say, you know, not, gee, I made a lot of money, but I was faithful. I, I used the talents that you gave me. We can expand the, the meaning of talent there beyond just money given to talents that we are actually giving. But how did you use your talents? How did you blend your talents with the passion that you have, insights that you have to create an economically viable model so that you show yourself to be a good steward. That's a really, really important point, and certainly a, a consistent, repeated theme in the responses that you all submitted. Jason Rambeck says, you're probably aware of the recent report put out by Oxfam called Wealth, Having It All and Wanting More. And it talks about you know how the richest 1% are going to own 50% of the global wealth by 2016. Yeah, we see a lot of disparity like that there's a lot of reports that talk about that but frankly I'm, I'm not so sure really i mean we didn't really unpack this at the front end here i'm not so sure the rich are getting richer and the poor getting poor i mean look at how we define poor in the united states now if we go into third world countries well there are circumstances there we don't have time to unravel but let's just look at the united states what does it mean to be poor in the united states I mean, the government now defines poverty for a family of four, meaning they have an income of $38,000. My goodness, when I grew up, $38,000 would have made somebody rich. I mean, is that really poor? Usually when we call somebody poor in the United States, they aren't concerned about having a place to live, a place to sleep tonight. Now, the homeless, that's another issue. I know a lot of people who choose to be homeless. Uh, There's so many provision made. Um, there, there's resources for pretty much anybody who, who wants to seek it out. But usually when we talk about somebody being poor, they have a house they live in, may even have a job. They may have a $10 an hour job. Yeah, we're still going to consider them poor, even if they have a job that they're going to and get in a paycheck. But also those that we consider poor, I'll guarantee you, they got an iPhone 6 in their pocket and they have cable TV You know, they go to parties, they go to the mall and buy uh, Gucci handbags. I mean, I I see this played out. I mean, being poor is kind of a relative term. And a lot of people consider themselves poor who 
even 10, 15 years ago, we would not have considered them poor. And certainly by the standards of other countries, they would not be considered poor by any stretch of the imagination. So being poor is a relative term. But again, the consensus is clearly stated here in the feedback that you all provided that you can change where you are, wherever you are on that level. I mean, rich, what, how do you define rich? It seems to me that being rich, we define as someone who has a little bit more than we do. I mean, that's another thing I think Michael Hyatt last night added to our conversation that it, it, it seems that's the definition of rich. It's somebody who has a little bit more than I do. So no matter what your income is, and if you make $250,000, you don't consider yourself rich. You're looking at the guy who makes a million. And if you're making $50,000, you don't consider yourself rich. You're looking at the guy that makes seventy-five. So it seems like it's a very relative term. Well, Lauren Carlson says, in general, it has to do with drive, passion, intentional action, planning, and risk-taking. The rich usually are intentional people with a goal in place and act toward them. They also keep their eyes and mind open for opportunities. They aren't afraid to take a calculated risk. Most poor people are not planning for anything beyond today, this week, or this month. They usually don't see their talents and therefore never look for opportunities to apply them. They're stuck in the money for time mindset. Money for time, boy, that's a biggie. Now, this, this idea of having a long time perspective is something that you know, I've talked a lot about with my good friend Dave Ramsey. You know, we see this, how money equates to a person's time perspective. Here's how that works. If somebody's making $8 an hour and you're renting an apartment to them, you better collect rent once a week, not once a month. Because their mindset is week to week. They work, they get a paycheck on Friday, on Monday it's all gone, they start over again. So they don't even think month to month. Their time frame is so short. Now as somebody's income goes up and they start making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, they start thinking, you know, next year we're gonna open up Roth IRA, next year we're gonna go to Disneyland on a vacation, you know, we're gonna go on a cruise. They start thinking longer term. But you talk to somebody who's making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more, they always are thinking in five to ten year increments out from where they are they can tell you what they're going to be doing five and ten years from now so this then presents kind of the chicken and the egg which comes first you may think well if i were making a quarter of a million dollars a year it'd be easy for me to think in five to ten year increments what if we did the reverse what if you started planning what you wanted your life to look like five to ten years from now and started creating clear plans for how you were going to get there and taking the action required to get there. What if you did that? No matter what your, no matter if your income is $38,000 today, what if you decided what you wanted your life to look like five years from now? Created plans, started taking action. We've seen that borne out time and time again. You've heard me talk about my friend Kamanzi Constable, who three years ago now was driving a bread delivery truck in Wisconsin. And he read 48 Days to the Work You Love, and he thought, you mean I have a choice in the kind of life that I can live? He got his family totally out of debt. He lost 170 pounds, moved his family to Maui, Hawaii, where he today lives as an author, speaker, coach. Totally transformed his life because he created a clear vision where he wanted to be. Kent Julian, you heard me talk about him. Kent was a, a youth pastor, highly respected not making a lot of money. He created a clear plan. Three years, three years of very intentional action. Three years he, he banked what he made on the side through his original coaching and speaking engagements. 
Then he was able to make that change, and his success has absolutely exploded from there. Long-term perspective, very important. Justin Ring says, I've been a caseworker in the welfare office processing applications and cases for food stamps. Now, again, a lengthy response here. I'm going to read just one paragraph. Jason says, Justin says, when people ask my opinion whether they should even apply or not for food stamps, I respond with the following. I inform them that what I have seen working here is that when you begin receiving assistance, it takes away that innate primal need to survive, that need to go out, find it, kill it, and drag it home. And I love that thought. Love that thought. We have crippled generations in our culture at this point because we have given them handouts. We've taught them to expect handouts and we've crippled them dramatically in having the initiative to go out and do something. Kids are being born every day in poverty, but expecting that the government is going to provide a safety net for them and that there's no need to do anything beyond that. What a disservice to those people. That is not helping people. That is hurting people. And I wish we could turn the corner on that. Well, let me blitz through some. Josh Cook says people create wealth because they believe they can. Wealth simply doesn't happen to most people who attain it. They have to be driven to work for it. Michael Copeland says the rich person attracts good things into their life because they're always focusing on what can be done. Or what great opportunities they can take advantage of. A poor person is always focusing on why bad things always happen to me. Or why can't I ever get ahead. Either way it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. As Earl Nightingale would say, you become what you think about. If you listen to Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, his last question is always, if you woke up in a parallel world identical to Earth, but you knew no one, you still have your same knowledge, $500 and a laptop, what would you do in the next seven days? The rich person would immediately be able to come up with a plan of action that would start them right back on the path of success. The poor person would more likely come up with a plan of survival to stretch that $500 as far as they could. Ramen noodles and then figure out what they were going to do once it, once it was all gone. That's really interesting kind of perspective, Michael. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, if you give somebody $1,000, I mean, that, that's what happens sometimes when Somebody does win a little bit of money or inherit a little money. I've seen that a lot of times. Somebody inherits $30,000, all of a sudden, gee, they're not working, and they lease a new car. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, all the, that, that should have given you uh, nanoseconds, pause to enjoy the experience and go right on or find a way to turn that into $60,000, double it instead of just giving yourself a little vacation, a pat on the back and a new car, and then it's gone, eating up worse than you were before. Mel Brown says, uh, however, that being said, being rich doesn't necessarily have to do with how much money you have. I believe being rich is also an attitude of life. I would have to say that over the last year, since I've been reading your material, a material from other similar offers, my life has become rich, more rich than it ever has. I thought I made more money last year, than ever, but it turns out, in fact, I did not. It's my attitude that's better. Y'all, I love that. Great perspective. Thanks for that, Mel. Matt Soderstrom says, I truly believe the rich get richer for two reasons. First, their attitude. They typically have a positive attitude on life. They don't have the mentality that others should meet their needs. Second, they work hard. 
I believe either of these reasons will work regardless of one's economic situation. Diane Bonebreak says, very short, succinct answer, because they, keep, they each keep doing what they've always done. Vincenzo Lasiofanano says, Dan, for me, it's mindset. If you do the same things, then there's no advancements. If you want to change your circumstances, then you have to change something. For the poor to improve, they have to do something to make a change. Joe says, here's a rat, R-A-T, you wouldn't mind embracing. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer because the rich have embraced a rat and the poor run from such thoughts. Now, I'll give you just a synopsis of his. He's got three things here identified in his acronym RAT. Risk, people of faith, spell faith, R-I-S-K. That's interesting. So people who of faith are willing to take risk. They also take action. They're fearless. And number three, they're teachable invest in themselves this comes from robert case as i call it the power of a pattern i think it comes down to habit wealthy people tend to have a history of wiser choices which lead to further wiser choices and the converse is likely true for those at the other end of the financial spectrum all right now this comes from matt jones (laughs) this is this is his response why do the rich get richer and the poor get poor inertia that was it one word response inertia well you know what inertia is i mean it's that resistance of any physical object to change its current state of motion so that means if a train is stopped inertia keeps it stopped it takes a lot of force to get that train moving if a train is moving it takes a lot of force to stop it so it's that thing so michael is just simply saying whatever path you're on the momentum of what you're doing is going to tend to keep you there. Ben Simon says the poor work for money, but money works for the rich and mindset. The poor get poor because they have a negative view of money or don't believe that they can make more. Um, Eldred says people who spend more than they make, even if they earn a lot and don't save tend up tend to end up poor. Someone who earns $100,000 a year but spends 110000 ends up poor. Someone who earns 40000 a year but only spends 20000 ends up rich every time. Ben Landers. I once heard somewhere that if you took all the money in the world and divided it equally among everyone, within a year the broke people would all be broke again, the rich people would all be rich again. You know, there, there's a lot of evidence to support that, Ben. That, that's really a reasonable thought. Because of the habits and mindset that people have, having more money unexpectedly or less money unexpectedly doesn't change that person. They're going to go right back to the way they were previously, regardless of those temporary circumstances. Franklin Roberts says, I believe it a lot stems from one's attitude toward finances. If you think that improving your income is impossible, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've seen a lot of that. Charles Branscom says, Dan... I believe it's a mindset, boils down to self-discipline and focus. Never say die is the motto I've heard from successful people. Sana Donofri says, the answer has two concepts blended together, goals and thoughts. The rich set goals and achieve them, which involves self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. The poor do not set goals, or if they do, they're unrealistic. They aren't acted upon, or the individual is unwilling to give something of himself in return for the goal. Great thought. Got some good quotations to go along with that. 
Melissa says the poor cannot see a way out, so they just keep doing what they have known all their lives. It's a mindset. The rich have found ways of achieving results and have learned how to duplicate it. The results are that both produce, both have compound effects, which pushes them in a the direction they're already going. Again, like that inertia. Once you get going in a direction to be poor or rich, it's hard to stop the momentum. So if you can get the momentum going in a particular way, you're going you're gonna to get more of what you're already getting. Uh, Julie Willis, the rich get richer and the poor get poor because that's what their brain is conditioning them to receive. Kyle says, there's so many stories of people who are born with nothing who have become wealthy. Conversely, people who have won the lottery received enormous compensation in sports. We've lost it all. So to believe that the presence of abs or absence of wealth determines your fate is not accurate. Now this comes, here's a, a lengthy a response here, input from David Jensen, who talks about his own dad, who was raised very, very poor, disadvantaged in so many ways. And his, his ending paragraph, I'll share just that, as their second child, my bankroll is greater than my parents could have ever dreamed. But my life was made rich by my upbringing. I learned by experiencing, not by being given things. I learned by achieving, earning achievements, not by getting an attendance trophy. And it's now my honor and duty to have passed these things along to my four children and the wife and my wife. They've now traveled to over 20 countries, seen things and been places I could not have even imagined growing up. We've taught them how to work hard, how to be a friend, how to live life richly. And I hope they pass this along the same spirit to their respective children so that they can tell the next generation that they've done things they could have never imagined as children and that they are richer for it. We didn't grow up wealthy. Instead, we grew up rich. Love that, David. Great story about your dad, what he was able to do. Love your sharing that. Chris Connolly borrowed some thoughts from Jim Rohn, Louis Sibillian. Talked about working with a preacher who believes strongly um, that uh, you sow what you're going to reap. And that lays out the path that we're going to be on. Michael Tuning says, I think it comes simply down to purpose. A lot of people do not focus on one thing. They're off in 50 different directions. Barry says the rich seek to give while the poor seek to receive because they don't know any other way, because their actions lead them there, because they want to, because the rich have read 48 days of the work you love. Cool. Uh, Craig says, uh, Dave Ramsey says the rich get richer because they do rich people stuff. They manage their money, leverage their time. They develop their social skills. You know, that's a really good point. I mean, you, you can, I mean, you take Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins' basic premise is, Find somebody who's already performing at the level which you want to perform and model their behavior. Model their behavior. That's how you change where you are. A lot of people hear more people. Malcolm references the story of the talents. Danny Remington talks about um, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Um, Jared says compound interest is one of the big factors. Um, Matt Meyer Tom says, my opinion, the rich are always trying to make things better and the poor people are always trying to blame everybody else for their failures. Well, on and on and on. Well, thank you so much for your input on this amazing topic. We could go on and on. We could write a book from what's here. Some of you have offered to take the input here and create a book. I'll look at that. Maybe do that. Um, Gene Fritz says, the rich are opportunity conscious. They have long-term versus short-term thinking. 
understanding of and appreciation for value. Let me just wrap it up here. We're going to wrap it up because of our time limit that I stay true to. It's hard for me not just to continue going on and on. But you see the clear themes here. Again, the clear themes. I want to just cover these these 10 points that we've seen confirmed again and again and again in your responses. Why the rich get richer, particularly, number one, expect success. Number two, creates a clear plan. Three, works hard. Number four, avoids debt. Number five, is teachable and a lifelong learner. Number six, exercises self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accepts personal responsibility. Number eight, keeps good company. Number nine, is opportunity conscious. And number 10, enjoys the present, but plans for the future. Hey, check out the activity at 48days.net. Check out our upcoming live events. I'd love to meet you in purpose, person, and uh, help create a purpose, but meet you in person to share the successes that you're experiencing. Thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Stuck in the J-O-B Can someone set me free? I've had enough of this This life is meaningless These hours don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away clock is ticking so don't delay it's gonna take your whole heart it's gonna take all you've got